Good morning. Grace and peace to you. Don't appreciate the songs. If a couple of those songs couldn't get your heart and your mind to, to praising God and opening up your, your, your voice, I don't know what would. It's so wonderful to be able to praise God in the congregation of the saints. Why am I a Christian? Why are you a Christian? I think uh, I'm just going to kind of talk this morning. I don't want to do be too preachy. Shirley says I get too preachy at times, and you can get too preachy. That's right. That's good. No problem. That's right. You can. When we reflect on this, and you reflect on this, and then somebody asks you why, I think too often we don't have the, the ready answer. In fact, we don't have a hard answer that we go to some kind of a canned response that we read somewhere, it's on a sheet of paper, uh, something we were taught. This is the gospel. And I'm not saying there's never a place to do that, but for someone hearing that, it comes across as being disingenuous and rather forced. And what we're really saying here this morning is we need to make, you need to make the gospel story yours in your life to really share why you are a Christian. Okay? That's kind of what we're kind of stirring things up here just a little bit to make you think. You know, there are uh, maybe many reasons, and I'm just suggesting a few here. My parents were. They were, so I am. A lot of us started out that way, not so bad, but then, you know, as we've said before, there are a lot of parents in the world who are Muslims. And the kids in those families are Muslims because their parents were. And there's a lot of Hindus in the world, and the kids of those Hindu parents are Hindus because their parents were. Does that make it right? Is that good? Before I got married, my spouse persuaded me. Nothing wrong with that, but... Is that just their only reason, because you didn't want tension in the house? I heard some hellfire preaching, and I got afraid. Hmm, about that. Is that why you're a Christian? I was at church camp, and everybody was going down to the creek, and so I didn't want to be the only one left behind. Yeah. 
and in any other number of reasons why maybe you chose Christ and chose to be baptized into Christ. Or maybe it was this. I reviewed the evidence and I made a faith decision. How about that? Why are you not a Christian? Some of you in here are, may not be Christian. And when I, I don't mean that you don't believe in Christ, but I mean you have not devoted your life to him, you have not been baptized into Christ, repented of sin, and given your life to him in service. That's what I mean. That's a Christian. Well, my parents were not. And so there was nothing there to push me in that direction. I was not exposed much to the Bible growing up, so, you know, it's just a book to me and never looked into it very much. I had a bad experience with a church and church people, so I don't want anything to do with them. Never thought about it very much. Didn't see any real need for it. Or I reviewed all the evidence and I rejected Christ in the gospel. Maybe you did that. So we're going to talk about that this morning. As you can see, we only have five scriptures and just going to make five points. Why am I a Christian? Yes, I made an initial decision at some point. If you are a Christian, you did that too. But then, as we're encouraged in the Word of God, we're continually to do further study of the Word, look at the evidence that continues to come out, come to our mind, to solidify our faith, to test our decision, to find additional reasons to share the gospel, which I do, okay? Kind of making this personal a little bit, which I do. And the question would be, do you do that? All right, John 8. The first thought in all of this is there is an explanation for the reality of our existence on this planet. All right? Whatever that is, there is an explanation. We're not just here, what, by chance? And if maybe that's the explanation. But there is an explanation for us being here, isn't there? Cause and effect that is written into this world everywhere. Cause and effect. There's an explanation. I'm not telling you what that is right now. But I'm just telling you there is an explanation. Now, we might fabricate something in our mind and believe any and everything... But there is one explanation that conforms with the reality of our existence, of our being here, whatever that is. John 
I know Jesus wasn't really talking about that, but the principle holds when he said, if you continue in my word, then you are truly disciples of mine, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. The truth frees. The truth does a lot of things for us. But the truth frees from the standpoint that it enlightens us. The lights go on, as we, might, we always say, and we understand about ourselves, about our existence, about life, and what things are all about. Just a couple of examples about that. From time to time, we've all been in this situation where that you personally or with a loved one, you're waiting for a diagnosis, right? What's wrong with me? You went, you had the test. Do I have cancer or not? Do I have a heart problem or not? What is it that's going on with me? How freeing it is when you get the answer. Even though it's a bad answer, right? Even though, oh yeah, you, you've got cancer, I'm sorry. Well, that is to a certain extent freeing because now you know what you're dealing with, right? Now you know who the enemy is, now you know what the problem is, and now you know what you, what you got to do. But as long as you got this cloud, you don't know the truth of your situation, it's like you're, you're bound. You're, it's a struggle. And you... We've all been through other situations like that where you're waiting, did you pass a test or not? All right, we've been, it's been a long time since some of you have been in school. <laughs> long time. But you can remember, did I flunk that exam? You know what? Or maybe you had to take a test for work or to get some kind of a license. Or you one, oh man. I, but when you find out, okay, you passed it, yeah, it's great. If you flunked it, okay, I got to study harder, I got to take it again. But it's freeing. To know the truth. And then here's one that I think a lot of us understand about. We talk about closure with someone who has, has died. What happened to them? Okay, we, we hear at times stories about, you know, some family member just disappears. And they think maybe they were kidnapped, uh, you know, you just don't know what happened to them. And so the, the family's in turmoil until they really find out what happened. What happened? When they find out, you know, that's, that's freeing, even though it might have been a terrible thing. Well, we know what happened now, and so we can kind of, that's a freeing feeling. We're free now. We know the truth about what happened to, to so-and-so. So, so it is when we talk about ourselves and our own existence. And this is something I've said before, you know, to assume our own existence is foolish and it's harmful. You know, we just kind of assume we have the right to be here. We just kind of assume we're here. And we never ask the questions, why? Where did we come from? What is the point of my being here? That question needs to be asked. Because otherwise you don't know, you don't know what the purpose of your being here is, do you? You just think you're, you're here for your own benefit? You just assume that? When we discover 
the reason for our existence and the reason for the reality of life the way it is, then we can more fully understand what we need to do with our lives. What's it all about? What's that, what was that song, What's It All About, Alfie? That's another one that will date some of us, right? I think it was way back. There is an explanation for the reason for our existence. We need to find that. Why am I a Christian? The truth of our existence, for me, there is a God. Okay? There is a God. The existence of a God, a God, God, better explains our existence than any other explanation I have ever heard. Hands down. Okay? See, this makes it real for me. I believe that. You know, there's different explanations, and you've, you've heard some of them, and I, again, I appreciate Don and all his hard work and, and all of the uh, series that he's worked with and uh, evidences, DVDs, and lessons he's put together about creation, evolution, and all those things, uh, science, scientific facts. And if you've missed those, you've really missed a lot. And I encourage you to come whenever we have those. We're doing the dinosaur thing right now. One of the uh, theories that's been put forth, the universe has always been here. It's just always been here. Well, I think even science has debunked that one. They said that's just not possible from all of their uh, study and uh, looking into uh, all the situation with the universe and its expansion and other things, they even say, no, that's not true. The universe is, has not always existed. And then there's always the something from nothing theory. You know, there was the little singularity out there that just happened to be there, and at one point it just exploded into all of this. Now, again, for me, that just doesn't happen because there's always a cause for an effect. Something doesn't come from nothing. That is just not logical. It's not possible for something to come from nothing. Now, science will tell you otherwise, but you've got to engage your brain that God gave you. For me, that does not explain our existence. And then, of course, the life from non-life theory, you know, the life just happened however it was in some soup or something. And still, that, that makes no sense to me. And in fact, science continues to try to create that, and they can't do it. And they're not going to do it. Life doesn't come from non-life. It's not possible. So for me, you know, I'm, I'm boiling this down pretty, pretty low here. We're, we're really, uh, what's that, what they say when you cook, you, you take it way down. All you chefs out there, 
you boil it down to, you reduce it. I'm really reducing this down here. Each one of us have been given intellectual capacity, reasoning capacity, observational capabilities. And for me, as I, I read, I see, I look at the creation, I hear all these theories, I read the scripture, the only explanation for our existence is God. It's the only explanation that makes sense to everything I see and hear in my, you know, my inner person. He's the God of creation, the only God that satisfies the vastness of the universe and all its complexities. And not in the complexities, the idiosyncrasies of the universe. That is one of the things that science really has a hard time explaining. You know, if, if you just had this nice big bang and everything would have gone out in one direction and... It, it, but it didn't go out in equal directions. It went out differently, and then you have some planets rotating one way and some the other way, and somebody's finger was on the button when all that happened. They can't explain those things. The minuteness of subatomic particles, and they keep seemingly finding more and more. Only God. DNA. If you just read a little bit about DNA, you will come to understand there's no way it could have happened by chance. There's so much information there, so complex, so incredible. It had to come from a mind, a creator, a designer. There's no other explanation that's reasonable The complexities of the cell, the design in the plant and animal kingdom, you know, I could go on and on with this point. The wonders of our own human bodies, procreation. If evolution were true, here, here's the one that I have never heard any scientist try to explain this. If we, in fact, involve, whether you're talking about a, a lion, a giraffe, human being, Understanding how we procreate. How, what were the odds that a male and a female evolved at exactly the same time so they could procreate? There's no answer for that. They have none. Okay, Isaiah 45, just to give you a scripture. 45.5, I am the Lord and there is no other. Besides me, there is no God. I will gird you though you have not known me, that men may know from the rising to the setting of the sun, there is no one besides me. I am the Lord and there is no other. The one forming light and creating darkness, causing well-being and creating calamity. I am the Lord who does all these in verse 18, for thus says the Lord who created the heavens, he is the God who formed the earth and made it, he established it and did not create it a waste place, but formed it to be inhabited. I am the Lord and there is none else. 
I believe that. He is the only explanation for why I am here. Okay. Second point. Who is this God? You know, you have to ask the question, who, which God is it? Now, I just read from Scripture, but, you know, there's gods upon gods out there in all kind of religions in the world. Have you examined them at all? Even in passing, to see basically what they teach? I've been able to do that. Well, we're talking about, you know, Islam, Buddhism, Hinduism, and so forth. Some I've studied in more detail than others. Other folks have really studied them in detail. Only the God of the Bible makes sense. He's the only one who makes sense. All these other ones... They just leave you hanging. He's the only one who gives the best explanation for who we are, who he is, and what's going on on the earth. And the word of God, and this, is, this all rolls together with the God of the Bible and the, and the, the word, and the, the God of the Bible and the Bible of God, the word of God, The Bible has been proven over and over again to be reliable. Whether you're talking about uh, its historical witness, what it says about in history, it's never been disproven. In fact, it has shown some things before the historians knew they were there and when they found them archaeologically, uh, archaeological finds also that verify the historical evidence before we knew about these people in different situations. Over and over again, the Bible is shown to be true in these external evidences. Scientific pre-knowledge, talking about the circle of the earth and the paths in the sea and the water cycle uh, and all that, all in the scripture before people really knew about them. There they are. Prophecies uh, fulfilled. And we'll talk about those in greater depth a little bit. Uh, but incredible prophecies, hundreds of years ahead of time. In fact, that reading in Isaiah, the first part of that was about Cyrus being raised up by God to free the Israelites from their captivity. And the prophecy was made before Cyrus was born. And it's verified, the timing is verified by historians. There's no other explanation for it than it was God doing it. Internal evidence, the consistency of the message with 40 writers over about 1,600 years. No contradictions. They all have the same theme, the same thought. It's all working together. The Bible's teachings on morality make sense. The Bible's teaching on family and marriage makes sense, on rearing children, on relationships, on our problem, which is sin, because we know it touches our heart, it convicts us, it talks about our conscience, 
these and a hundred other things tells me the God of the Bible and the Bible of God are true. Can't be ignored. 2 Timothy 3. All scripture is inspired by God. Breathed by God through the writers. Through the speakers. When there's speakers there speaking for God. It's profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, for training in righteousness, that the man of God may be adequate, equipped for every good work. It is a God-breathed book for us from which we learn about ourselves and about God and about what's going on in life. And for me, nothing else makes sense, this God. He's the God of the Bible. You know, I've read the, the Quran. I've read some of these other writings. And others have too. They, they don't make sense. I'll just say that. They, they lead you nowhere. There is no, no history. There is no purpose. It just goes in circles. Number four, this God is the God of the Bible. He's also the God of the cross. Christ Jesus. The existence of the person of Jesus of Nazareth called the Christ is virtually beyond dispute. The crucifixion of Jesus of Nazareth is really beyond dispute. Even historians don't deny that he was crucified. The resurrection of Jesus of Nazareth is virtually beyond dispute. People who read the accounts in the scripture understanding the scripture is true. It's been verified that this is eyewitness stuff. Say, yes, he was resurrected from the dead. To deny it is to deny that the Bible is true, basically, which you have a hard time proving. You just can't prove that, but some try. And then one thing that always nails it for me, if you will, his disciple, and again, this is history, this is real, his disciple, most of them, the apostles, suffered cruel deaths when they went out to proclaim this gospel and the, one of the main things of the gospel of course is the fact that Jesus was raised from the dead if they knew that was fake false or whatever why would they let themselves be killed because of that they, they didn't gain any great wealth they, they were not given cities to live in or made kings of the earth or have money. They lived in poverty pretty much, just going about proclaiming this great news. And they suffered horrible deaths for it. Explain to me why they would do that if they knew it was a fake. There, there's no explanation. 
Couldn't all of them be idiots, right? Crazy. The cross of Christ Jesus demonstrates and explains our desire as a human race for evil and our sin problem. We want to get rid of the one who shows us how to live in love and to help others and to do what's right. We don't want to listen to him, just get rid of him. But the cross also explains the love of our God and his desire for us to have life and fellowship with him. Philippians 2.5, have this attitude in yourselves, which was also in Christ Jesus, who although he existed in the form of God, did not regard equality with God a thing to be grasped or held on to, but emptied himself. There is no other religion even comes close to this beautiful story where the God who created wants to come down and become one of his creation. That's love. He emptied himself. Taking the form of a bondservant and being made in the likeness of men. We'll never know what Jesus, the word of God, if you will, gave up to become Christ Jesus. We'll never be able to know. That was the initial sacrifice. He emptied himself. Being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself by becoming obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. As we talk about so often, the horrible death of crucifixion. Agonizing and painful, hanging there with the sins of the world piled on him. For this reason also God highly exalted him, bestowed on him the name which is above every name, so that the name of Jesus every knee will bow, of those who are in heaven and on earth and under the earth, that every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of the Father. And so it will be. He is the reality of our existence on this planet. The lamb slain from the foundation of the world. God planned it all that this would happen so he would show his love to the powers that be. This is reality. It's the only one I, I can see that's, that's true for me. Our last scripture. Understanding all these things God explains our existence. He's the God of the Bible. He's the God of the cross. This Jesus, this message, this good news is the only reason that makes life worth living. It's the only reason. All other gods and religions leave humanity without any real hope. Hinduism, you get karma. You can come back as a uh, butterfly or maybe a giraffe, but then when you die, then you get to come back as an earthworm. All right? You just keep cycling through everything. With uh, Islam, boy, it's just all up in the air there. What's Allah going to do with you? You do enough. He is so capricious. 
There's, there's no real hope there unless you kill yourself, as you see in the news. Blow yourself up, then you make it. What kind of life is that? We could go on about those. But because of Christ, their life has real meaning and importance. As we studied just last week, every good deed, every good word can bring him glory and do good for others. Every moment of life has importance. It makes life worth living. You know, people uh, that take their own lives, they have finally said life is not worth living, haven't they? But for Christ, life is worth living. He makes life worth living. He gives peace, his care, prayers are answered. He has promises that he makes for us that in the future... There's a life eternal, but now he is be with us. Help us even through our struggles. We have the gift of the Spirit, and we have hope of a resurrection like his. 1 Corinthians 15, 58. Therefore, my beloved brethren, Paul just talked about the resurrection. He says it's true, it's real, this is the way it's going to happen. Be steadfast, immovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. Talked about it last week. Don't shy away from that work. I don't mean, you know, going out and doing some huge, great things, but day by day, wonderful and glorious small works for God. Always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your toil or your labor is not in vain in the Lord. You see? It's not a waste. God sees every good deed, every good thing you do, every good thing you do for others. It's not a waste. Your life is worth living because it matters to God what you do with your life. These other religions don't have that. It's missing. Why am I a Christian? I've shared this morning, and again, I boiled it way down. These are the main reasons. I continue to examine. I continue to study. But everything I see, everything that turns up, everything comes across my desk, across my computer screen, and the book I read, it just verifies more and more what I already believe. There is a God. He's the God of the cross. We are here because of him. There is no other explanation for me that makes sense. And so that's real for me. And then if someone asks me, well, why are you a Christian? Or why do you believe in this Jesus? You see, that's my answer. I don't have to start going to some canned gospel presentation. Because this, this is why. And so you know, I'm just challenging every one of you to, do you have that response? Do you, why are you a Christian? What is it? that causes you to come here on Sunday morning? Ritual? Fear? I don't know. I think I know for some of you, but maybe not. But this, this is what we need to, to settle in our minds and hearts and then be able to share with others. This is why I do what I do and live the way I live. And then the question comes as well, why are you not a Christian? What explanation do you have for your being here this morning? 
for your being in the body in which you are right now and having a life? What's your answer? I can't answer that for you. If you don't have an answer, you really need to explore it. Because otherwise you're missing out. You're missing out on why you're here. You're missing out. There's no other way to look at it. If you're ready to respond to this gospel, to this God of the cross this morning, we're here to assist you. You can be baptized into Christ Jesus this morning. If you are a Christian and you, uh, you're really struggling with why you are, you don't really know, you've never really examined, you don't really have an answer, boy, you really need to look at some things, dig deep into the word, deep into your heart, look around you, do some examining, and come up with an answer, not only for yourself, but for anyone who might ask you why you are a Christian. If you need prayer this morning, we're here to help with that. However you might need help, please come while we stand and sing. Brother Dawn. I've